This morning's scripture reading comes from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Austin. <clears throat> Good morning, Lake Ballin Church. In 2007, Apple released a product called the iPhone. And ever since then, the world has never been the same. Actually, it started in 2002 with the release of the Crackberry, but I'm gonna mark it as 2007 with the release of the iPhone. Since that time, Apple has grown to be a roughly $3 trillion company. And to put that in perspective for you, uh, of all the nations on the planet, I mean, Apple is wealthier than almost every single nation on the planet except for four nations. And if you're curious about that, you can, you can go ahead and Google it and find out which are those four nations. But that's a stunning uh, fact there. And uh, I think it's a good example of uh, American innovation, ingenuity, work ethic, our incessant drive for achievement and for uh, success. You know, Americans, we work hard, and it has given us so many great things, like the iPhone, right? Wi-Fi, laptops, uh, all sorts of things. And, and, and you think about it, what have we done with all this great technology? Well, as Americans, we've done more, right? We've doubled down and we, we don't use it to create more space in our life, more time, uh, but we use it to actually do more. Now, work for most of us has become a 24-7 affair, 24-7. We're tethered to the workplace like no other time in history. Uh, I think even with the pandemic, which allowed us to, to work remotely, and some of that's good, we've got some flexibility there, but what does that have, has done to us is it's obliterated that line between work and home life. And we find ourselves working all the time. And it, and it even spills over into our vacations. And I know I, I'm, I'm terribly guilty of this. How many times have I gone on a vacation and answered emails, uh, took a phone call, jumped into just one Zoom meeting, right? We work hard. Uh, we also play hard as Americans. I mean, we pack our lives with all sorts of activities. We do it to ourselves, we do it to our children, you know, sports and music and camps and activities and vacations, awesome vacations and and if you're a little bit like me, uh, a seven on the Enneagram, my vacations are usually filled with adventure. And I get back from these vacations saying to myself that I need a vacation from my vacation. I mean, maybe there's a few of you out there who can resonate uh, with that. We, we play hard. All this work, all this play has left us as Americans weary and worn out uh, by this way of life. You know, we're, we're right on the cusp of kicking off the school year. Yeah, I, 
not to make you uh, stressed or, or anxious, but it's coming. Uh, but the, the ministry year is also kicking off for us as a church. We've aligned our ministry year uh, to the school year. And as a, as a leadership and as a staff, we've thought about what could be a theme for Lake Baldwin Church for the coming year. And, and the theme that we've settled upon is rest for the weary. Rest for the weary. Because we are a weary people. And we're going to be coming back to this idea of rest. Certainly, we're going to, we're going to dive into it deeply uh, this morning. But you're going to hear this over and over throughout the year. You might hear it in a volunteer training or a leadership training. Uh, but we're going to enforce this idea of rest. We're going to bring it to you um, and, and invite you into this rest. And that's what this passage this morning is about. It's an invitation to come and find rest. It's, for me, it's one of the sweetest passages in the Bible, and I have to go back to this, uh, these verses over and over again. And I find that rest is not found by doing less or even taking more vacations. That's not the antidote. Rest is found in a person, and that person is Jesus. And so we're going to look at this invitation that Jesus gives for us. And then we're going to look at his way. And then we're going we're gonna to close by looking at Jesus' heart. His invitation, his way, and his heart. Let's look first at his invitation. In verse 28, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is giving us here an invitation. An invitation that he attaches to it a promise. You know, last uh, Christmas, I was invited to my sister's house uh, for Christmas, for the celebration. Um, it's always a wonderful time to be with family and friends and to, to feast. And of course, we have a tradition of our Chinese Christmas game exchange. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's fun. There's a lot of laughing. There's a little bit of cutthroat play going on. But it's, it's always fun. And, um, you know, if I didn't respond to that invitation, if I didn't go, if I didn't come... I would, not, I would not receive any of the benefits of that type of invitation. Jesus here is offering you an invitation to come to him, to find rest. He's offering it to you, so stand not far away from him. Come to him. His arms are ready for you, and he's promising you something here. I want you to note also, who is Jesus inviting what qualifies you for this invitation list is your neediness, your neediness, your weariness. You know, to be heavy laden is to be burdened, to be weighed down. Um, I, I remember a time uh, when I lived in Texas. I used to love to fish. Unfortunately, I was in the middle of the state in Austin, and um, I went down and made a trip to the coast with a, a, a good friend of mine, and we put our kayaks on top of my car, and we're heading down the highway, and I didn't get very far until I realized that these kayaks with their weight and wind resistance were causing me to not go very fast. I could not, I had the, the pedal mashed to the floor, and I couldn't get over 60 on the highway. Uh, that's what it's like to be weighed down. That's what it's talking about here. You, you are weighed down in some way. And so Jesus is, is extending an invitation not to people who have it together, but to those 
who do not, those who are weighed down. And if you were to read the, the verses leading up to this, you would see in the context here that Jesus is saying that he's revealed the kingdom of God, not to those who are wise, not to those who are understanding, but to children. The invitation is for the weak. The invitation is to the weary. The invitation is to the downtrodden and the broken. It's not to, you have your life together, you, you've got it all figured out. Jesus is saying this invitation is actually not for you. You're not on this invitation list. It's for all who labor and are heavy laden. The kingdom is revealed to children. You know, children, they're not shy about their neediness, are they? If, you have, if you're a parent and you have young children, I mean, if they're hungry, they're gonna tell you about it. Thirsty, they're going to tell you about it. If they want something, especially when they're younger, and they want that new gaming device like a Switch or something like that, they're going to tell you about it. They're going to plead with you about it. When we grow up, we get a little bit more sophisticated, but they bring their neediness to you. That's what qualifies you for this invitation. You know, one of the things that plagued the people around Jesus' time was not the burden and the toil of of all this great technology that we have today, but the heavy weight of the law of Moses. It was a burden around their neck. You know, you know what made it worse? The Pharisees made it worse. They added, you know, as if the law was not enough, they added, they almost doubled the number of laws. They added to it. Crazy things like you couldn't swat a fly on the Sabbath, right? That, that would be considered work. I even read in an article in, in, that was written back in 2020 during the height of the pandemic. The rabbis were, were upset. They were, they, were, they were upset about these uh, temperature monitors that were going on at like hospitals and hotels and restaurants. Like that's a form of work. We can't have that going on on the Sabbath. So they devised a scheme where, or at least they, they made the recommendation that non-Jews should do that type of work. Because for a Jew to do that work, it would be work be a violation of the law. And so Jesus was inviting the people who were failing at keeping the law. People who were floundering with all this. People who were burdened down with these many laws. People who were burdened with their own sin and the knowledge that they had fallen far too short. You know, in, in Christian religious circles, you may feel the weight of this type of burden yourself. You may be here this morning, you may not be a Christian, and you've decided to check out what it's like, but you may have stayed away. Why? Because your perception of Christianity and religion is all about the burden of things that you have to do, and it's kept you away. Maybe you are a believer, and, and you're feeling that burden, right? I think we can, in the church, convey a wrong message and, and that you gotta read your Bible more, that you gotta show up to church more, you gotta give more, you've gotta get engaged in discipleship, you've got to be on mission. All these things are great things, but they can weigh you down. Doing things for Jesus can weigh you down if you are not doing them with him. What I mean by that is it's the spirit that empowers our work. Not by might, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But even more than that, 
if you look at your motivation, if your motivation is not rooted in the fact that God has poured out his extravagant, gracious love upon you, it's going to wear you out. Any other motivation besides that is going to wear you out. If you're motivated by keeping up with your fellow people in your Bible study, if you're motivated by gaining some kind of approval or blessing from God, it's going to eventually wear you out. Jesus is inviting you to come to him for rest. He has already lived the perfect life for you. It's done. He's already done it for you. The burden is lifted. You know, our frenetic pace as Americans, I think it's an indication that there's something deeper within us that makes us work so hard. Something that has us bearing a load that we actually weren't designed to carry, that we can't carry. In the past, work was something that we, we used to survive and to provide for our needs. But today, work has become something entirely different. I, I've quoted uh, Derek Thompson before. I, I can't remember if it was here or at another church, but he, he writes for The Atlantic, and he, co- he coined this term called workism. Listen to this. Workism is rooted in the belief that employment can provide everything we have historically expected from organized religion. It is the belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose. I think this is stunning insight. Our jobs, our careers have become our God. They have replaced our God. Why do we work so hard? Why are we weighed down so much? Not to provide for our families and ourselves, but, we cut, but because we have tied our identity. We have tied our very purpose to work. And this has created an existential crisis For us, we have tied our worth as humans to our jobs, our very performance. And succeeding has become our modern day idol. And we all wear ourselves out offering it our lives as a sacrifice. Why? Because to fail at work, to fail at school is to believe We're not worth anything at all. And so to us as modern day people, Jesus is inviting us to come to him and to find rest. Only in Jesus can you be freed from this burden that you carry, whether it's religious or secular. And so how does Jesus do it? Well, I want us to look at Jesus' way in verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, a yoke is that heavy wooden crossbeam. We put it on animals and sometimes humans, right? To control and direct them as they labor, as they till a field or carry a load. And in the New Testament, yoke is often used to imply submission or even bondage, like yoked to the law, bondage of the law. And Jesus is saying for us to find rest, we're to take upon his yoke. 
come under his control, his guidance, his direction, and to learn from him, to yield to him as the authority in our lives. Now, here's the reality. We all have yokes upon us. I know I have many yokes upon us. I have many things in my life that control me, that motivate me, that direct me. And so my question to you is, what is your yoke? What is the yoke that you are wearing? What controls and motivates your heart and your behavior? Why do you do what you do? What causes you to overwork, to be overbusy, to be burdened and overstressed? And you young people may not be feeling it so much as the older people, but let me, let me just say that you may feel hints of anxiousness or a little bit of stress in your life. That might be an indication of a yoke that you are wearing. It could be religion, keeping up with a group of religious people, or it could be workism because you've tied your identity, you've rooted it, you've tied your purpose into your work, into your performance. You know, when I was younger, I rooted my self-worth, my image in my grades. Uh, in 10th grade, I had decided that grades were all important. I had decided and set a goal for myself that I was going to be number one in my class. And I worked tirelessly to achieve that goal. And you know what? I missed it. And what did it do? It crushed me. It crushed me. It was a heavy yoke upon my neck that I could not bear. I had yoked my identity to my grades. We all have yokes upon us. What's the one that you're wearing? Jesus is inviting you to take his yoke and allow him to be the controlling influence of your life. Now, you might be here this morning and you are totally turned off. That this is an affront to your autonomy. This is, your, uh, uh, this is a threat to your ability to rule over your own life, to have control over your own life. Why would I take upon myself and allow someone else to control me? It, does not, it might not even make sense to you this morning that how could taking on Jesus' yoke give me rest? And Jesus says that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, And here is one of the many, many paradoxes of the faith that actually by giving up control, giving up autonomy, you can actually find rest. That be, becoming his disciple, following him, that's what it means to learn from him. You are actually put on an easier path. It's going to be easier than any path that you can construct or engineer for yourself if you're trying to control your life. You know, one of the things that we like to do as a family, we like to take long trips and we like to drive. I love to drive. I actually love to be the driver. And I drive as much as I can, but when I, when I, when I get tired, I've got to let Debbie drive. And I'm, I'm horrible at this. I'm horrible at this. I, I'm a backseat, front seat driver. Uh, I'm always like, did you see that car? Do you see what he's doing? Um, you know, I'm also on the lookout for those police officers. Uh, you know, uh, I can't rest when I'm in the passenger seat. I'm always thinking about that next exit we've got to get to. And uh, my poor wife, um, you know, she has to put up with this. But hey, there's, you got to cut me a little slack because Debbie's family is notorious 
for missing their exits. One time, uh, De- Debbie's mom was visiting us in, in Illinois, and she was going out on an errand, and she was supposed to come right back in 15 minutes. Well, find out like an hour or two later that she's in Wisconsin somewhere. She missed her exit. You know, so I think I have a little bit of things to worry about. Debbie's missed a few exits herself. She's not here to defend herself this morning, but uh, actually she's a better, she's so much of a better driver than I am. But you know what, when I'm sitting in that passenger seat trying to get rest, I can't rest. I'm always thinking, I'm all, my foot's on the brake. Um, I can only find my rest when I truly let go and trust Debbie. I can, I can only find my rest when I just let go and collapse and trust she's gonna get us there and not miss the exit. Uh, you're never gonna find true rest in this life, Christian or non-Christian. You're never gonna find true rest in this life if you don't give over control to someone else. Give up the control of your life I urge you to give up control of your life to Jesus. He's a better driver than you will ever be. You can trust him. Why can you trust him? If you are in Christ Jesus this morning, there's nothing more precious to Jesus than you. You're in Christ Jesus this morning, there's nothing more dear to his heart than you. You can fully trust him. He's got his eyes wide open to everything that's going on in your life, all the attacks that are coming, all the things that you can't even see. He loves you. He's got it. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to be stressed until you let go, give control, yield, take upon yourself Jesus' yoke. You know, Jesus' way is not to add to your to-do list, not like the Pharisees to burn you with even more, but he's, to take, he's there to take your load that you're bearing and to give you rest, to give you greater freedom in your life. And I want you to see this beautiful thing, Jesus' heart in verse 29 again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, this one who is inviting you, he's beckoning you to let him be the Lord of your life, to control your life, yes. He's not like other authorities, like other lords, like other masters and teachers. Scripture is saying He's saying this of himself, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, Dane Ortland, you may know, has written a book a few years ago called Gentle and Lowly. He's, he's unpacked this entire verse with an entire book. Staff's going through it. Uh, the elders are going through this as well. I, I commend it to you. But this verse gives us insight to the very heart, the very core, the very motivation of Jesus, especially as it relates to people who are needy, who are broken. And, 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 to, and I want to say this, it's not to the exclusion of his other attributes. Jesus is grace. Jesus is truth, but Jesus is gentle and lowly. And every time we say all of these things, like Jesus is grace, 
He is the very definition of grace. If you want to look anywhere in the universe and find grace and truth is fully embodied in Jesus. If you want to look anywhere on planet Earth or in the entire universe and find what is the definition of gentle, look to Jesus. If you want to find lowly, look to Jesus. He embodies this fully. Communion was opened with Isaiah 53. What's more lowly than the suffering servant? A God who would put on himself weak flesh for us. Most people in authority over us, and this is maybe why you may shy away from allowing Jesus to have control of your life. Most people in authority over us are not like this. They're not gentle. They're not lowly. You know, one of my kids, uh, they had a teacher uh, in the past uh, in one of their classes. And you, we would sit around the dinner table throughout that semester, and, and, he, and they would share stories of their teacher, how, how they would belittle the students with their great knowledge, how they would change requirements on the project at the last minute, how they would be aloof. And, and if you had questions and you needed help, they would, they would not be there. This, this teacher put themselves above the students. He was not gentle. He was not lowly. Jesus, the one who is inviting us to himself, is lowly. He's gentle. He, he is not harsh. You know, one of the purposes of, of a yoke um, is, is to correct and to guide, right? You've got your animal and you're trying to make these nice straight lines in the ground. You're, maybe you're tilling a field and, and, and you're, you're using this yoke to control and guide and correct them to stay on the right path. Jesus is a gentle, a gentle teacher. He's gonna guide you and correct you in a gentle way. I want you to remember, if you're a student of the Bible, how Jesus restored uh, the disciple Peter. Peter blew it. I mean, what could be worse than denying the Lord Jesus himself three times, not one time, but three times? And when, and when you know, Jesus is resurrected and they're on that beach at the end of uh, the Gospel of John, what do you see? You don't see Jesus saying, hey, don't you remember I told you you were gonna deny me three times? I mean, you should have learned. I told you so. He didn't scold him. He didn't chide him. He didn't do any of that. He just gently received him back into the fold. This is wonderful news for us this morning that no matter where you are, what you've done, surely maybe you've not done it as bad as Peter denying the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus is waiting with gentle, open arms for you to come to him. So this morning, there's an invitation to you. Jesus is extending an invitation to you. Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you carrying a burden that you were never meant to carry? And I want to say this morning to, the, to someone who may be here this morning who, who wants to give up, who has lost all hope, who life has crashed apart. You are so burdened you can't look up. This is an invitation to you. Your neediness qualifies you to come. 
And so whether it's workism or religion, Jesus is inviting you to come. Maybe you are overwhelmed and burdened by grief or loss. Maybe you, the burden that you carry is one of sin in your past. Maybe you've done it, or maybe someone has sinned greatly against you and has left an indelible scar upon you. You carry that burden. Jesus is inviting you this morning, come to him. He's not gonna turn you away. He's not gonna make you pay for what you've done. Actually, it's quite the opposite. What we see in scripture are these images. When a sinner repents, what do we see? We see rejoicing in heaven. We see celebration. We see a savior when you turn and come to him. He's not gonna wait for you to come. As soon as you turn to come to him, he's going to run Toward you, He's going to embrace you in his arms and he's going to kiss you. That's the type of gentle and lowly savior that we have. He's not waiting for you to come all the way to him. He's going to run toward you. And so I urge you this morning, accept this invitation that Jesus offers to you to come by faith. Come to him. Respond to his invitation. Yield to his yoke. And if you do, you'll find a gentle and lowly Savior waiting for you, and you will finally find rest for your weary soul. Would you pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, your grace is lavish, it's extravagant, it's overflowing. You're the type of God that we cannot understand, that, that we can come to you with hands empty, in fact, come to you with all of our need and all of our burden. We don't have to clean up. We don't have to, to do a bunch of things. You accept us based on the righteousness of your son. He has done it all. What kind of gracious God is this? And Father, I pray this morning that once again, we would receive your grace. We would run to you knowing that we don't have to go far. You're running already towards us with arms open wide to receive us. What wonderful news for us this morning. We praise you. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.